From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Today we're talking about an extreme problem that may affect extreme athletes and a medical study conducted by a physician at Upstate that looked at beer as a recovery beverage. With me in the studio is Dr. Jeremy Jocelyn. He's an emergency physician from Upstate and medical director for a variety of endurance events around the world, and he's also the associate chief medical officer for Upstate University Hospital. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Now, when I say endurance event, um, we're not talking about 5K fun runs. Right, So right. Tell, tell me about some of the endurance events you've been a part of. Yes, so I'm, I'm talking mostly about ultra marathons, um, which by definition is longer than a regular marathon. Um, but a lot of the events that I've worked over the last several years, uh, literally around the world, have been in the range of 150 to 200 miles. Over the course of days? Uh, often split up. Uh, oh. There is a 100-mile race in the Florida Keys every year uh, that's held um, in May. And that's a you start and you run until you're finished. So all at once, uh, typically around 24 to 28 hours long. Uh, wow. Other races are, are split up and staged uh, five, six, seven days long. And I've read, I mean, these sorts of events have grown in popularity. There's more of them and the more people doing them, right? Absolutely, yep, yep. And just to be clear... You're not running them yourself. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're there to provide the medical. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. These these uh, these athletes um, do need a watchful eye, uh, and and several of these companies that put on these races have hired uh, physicians uh, from our our hospital to to provide that medical oversight and supervision uh, to help make sure that they come home safely. Well, what are some of the things that you see at these events? You say they need a watchful eye. What are you watching for? Yeah. So I. I I think I break it up into what kinds of things can go wrong uh, with the physiology of an athlete who's who's really pushing themselves. Um, so that's things like uh, heat stroke or hyponatremia, which we're going to talk a little bit about. But then it's other things that just have to do with where the event is located. So we have we've worked events uh, in the Amazon jungle, and so there's a whole slew of problems that can come up because of all the creepy crawlies and the plants and it seems like everything wants to try to kill you there. Wow. Okay. So you have to be knowledgeable about that, but then also the medical stuff that goes along with it. So are these, um, are there like first aid tents along the course or? Yeah, we typically will bring a team uh, of medical personnel and and just keep an eye on athletes. Uh, It's amazing what these athletes can do. Uh, on their own, and and we're really there just to jump in uh, if in case of emergencies or medical problems that pop up. So mostly it's it's uh, we we approach it strategically by placing uh, people with watchful eyes um, in strategic locations along the course of the event, and then if somebody has a problem, we try to be at the right place at the right time to find that find that person who's having the problem and deliver aid. Now, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the athletes that would do these kind of extreme events are, are pretty well prepared. Right. They've been training for them for Absolutely. months. Absolutely, yes. They, they do a lot of training. Um, uh, often, it's, it's funny, often I, I've run into athletes who I've seen at other events that have nothing to do with each other, but once you do one, you, you may get bit by the bug and want to do more. And um, But absolutely, you, you, athletes who do this have a lot of preparation, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. Often these events are self-sustained, meaning that you need to plan for your food and where you're going to sleep and clothes and all these things and bring them with you in a backpack as you're running. 
Wow. So, so there's a lot of strategy and thought that goes into this, a lot of preparation um, besides the training. And some, uh, I guess, some pretty scientific thought goes into when to ingest water or right. energy, right. whatever. Exactly. Well, you mentioned hyponatremia. Right. What What is that? Yeah. So hyponatremia just means low sodium. Uh, and that's a condition that endurance athletes can get. Uh, typically, an athlete who's who's exerted themselves heavily for more than four to six hours uh, would be at risk for hyponatremia. So that's where the sodium or the salt level in the blood dips a little bit too low. And there's two main causes to that that we've we've really discovered. One is is just over drinking. So believe it or not, dehydration is not the biggest concern. It's overhydration. Huh. So so you feel hot and you want to drink. Um, or you've heard advice that you need to drink a lot of water so you don't get dehydrated, and so you end up over-drinking, and you dilute the salt levels in your blood. That's one way. The other way that this happens, and and these are combined forces, so it's not one or the other typically. Uh, The other way is your body secretes a hormone in your brain called AVP when you're under exertion or when you're nauseous or when you have uh, heat stress, and that hormone tells your kidneys... Lock it, lock it down, don't let the water out of your body, we need to conserve water. And so by conserving water and holding on to it and not urinating, you end up diluting yourself that way. So you're diluting your blood sodium by holding on to extra water, and then you're over-diluting by drinking more water and adding to the problem. Wow. How often does this happen? Well, it, it used to happen quite a bit. There was one study that showed uh, 13 to 16% of athletes who finished one of these long races had this condition. Huh. And it is it is probably the number one concern from a medical standpoint because this can turn into a life-threatening emergency. It can cause seizure. It can cause coma or death even. So it's potentially very dangerous. So right. Um, right. It, how, would a, how would an athlete or how would you as the physician watching, how would you know that this is going on? Yeah, so athletes um, who have this, um, well, they can have it and not have any symptoms at all if they have a, a low level of it, which is uh, concerning, but it's not an emergency because once you stop exerting yourself and rest, your body it corrects itself. Right. Okay. Um, but the, the athletes who we notice have confusion um, or altered mental status, as we say, those are the patients who we uh, will pull aside and do a more thorough evaluation to try to determine if that's what, what's going on. Is there a way to check and see whether they've had too much water? There is. So, so one of the first things we ask is, how much water are you drinking? And athletes will typically track that, monitor it, and so we'll, we'll get an idea. Um, but if they're confused, that's a medical emergency in this setting. Um, and so we'll, we'll dig deeper. Um, for many of our events, we'll actually bring a handheld lab device called an iStat analyzer where we can get a couple of drops of blood, put it in this little machine, wait uh, about one minute, and out comes a result with some electrolytes, including sodium. So we can actually test for it. So um, if you know that this is what's going on, do you give them sodium to fix it? Exactly. Oh, you do? Exactly. So yep. anything yeah. salty? or So, so we, can do, uh, we can do a concentrated IV solution that okay. has uh, 3% uh, saline. Uh, or uh, if we're in a place where we don't have access to that, we, um, we've used uh, chicken bouillon cubes dissolved in just a little bit of hot water. If you've ever tasted them, they're very, very salty. Very salty. A lot of sodium packed into those. 
<laughs> Let me remind listeners, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Jeremy Jocelyn, an emergency physician from Upstate. Um, he's been the medical director for several endurance events all over the world, and we're going to talk about a study he did looking at beer as a recovery beverage. So why beer, and how did you set this study up? Yeah, so so this um, exercise-associated hyponatremia has been something that we've known about uh, for several years, and but over the last few years, it's become a topic of research really because it is such a true health threat to the endurance athlete. Um, and so part of this research is trying to elucidate what the causes are. Um, I mentioned AVP hypersecretion, mm-hmm. um, and, and that really is a problem. And so there's been some real good science looking at what causes AVP to be oversecreted, to, to, to be produced more than normal, and then what are some things that might turn off AVP uh, secretion in your brain. And one of the things that's been discovered is that, uh, or, or I should say, um, known in parallel, something we've known for a long time, is that when you drink alcohol, sometimes that makes you need to urinate. And the reason is, is because it, it directly affects this AVP release in your oh, brain. Huh. Right, so it actually turns it off. And that's what, what gives you the, the uh, need to urinate so much. And so uh, one problem is too much AVP with the hyponatremia. The other is turning off AVP. So we figured that if we, and there's been some, some anecdotal uh, stories floating around of athletes doing this um, and with good success. And so uh, because it really is a true health concern, we wanted to, to test it. Um, there was a little bit of a balking at first because why, why would we take this uh, medical condition and this true medical concern and this professional job that we're doing and introduce al- drinking alcohol into it. Um, uh, you know, that, that, that makes a lot of people bulk. But, but in reality, a lot of athletes do enjoy having a, a beer, especially after a run. And so we, we found a venue where this was already happening. It was commonplace. Um, and we just applied some science to actually test the athletes to determine if their sodiums would be affected by their drinking the beer. Neat. So uh, when was this done and what's, what did you find? Yeah, so we, we did this uh, a couple of years ago uh, at a race in Florida that was the 100-mile uh, race that I mentioned. Um, and interestingly, what we've, and, and I should also point out that we went through a pretty rigorous IRB approval process um, where we, we had a very rigorous protocol. An IRB? Um, yeah, Institutional Review Board. So that's okay. when medical researchers are going, going to do a study, any study. Um, they, they put together the plan for the study, and they present it to a panel who independently and objectively looks at it to make sure that we're really doing the right research for the right reasons um, and that we're keeping uh, all these athletes' safety foremost with the research. Um, and so we put together a, a good plan it was approved, and we conducted this research a couple of years ago. What, what we found was that the athletes who are crossing the finish line actually didn't have hyponatremia at this event, which was a big surprise because, like I mentioned, previous studies have showed 13 to 16% uh, of athletes who do an ultramarathon would have this condition. Um, and so we've, we were somewhat surprised but interested and also relieved uh, and so it's a good thing for athletes that we found this. Uh, not a great thing if you're trying to do research on the su- right. subject, but, but a good thing for the athletes is that the incidence at this race for this year was zero. Huh, okay. 
So maybe the word is getting out about how to avoid hyponatremia and not overdrink. Exactly. Or... That's that's exactly what I think it is. We we meaning medical directors who do these kinds of events have really been trying to educate the public and athletes to drink if you're thirsty. That's it. Bottom line, you don't need a formula. You don't need to do any calculations. You don't need to push yourself for fear of dehydration. The rule is you drink when you're thirsty, and we found that that actually works the best. Your body knows what it's doing. It'll make you thirsty if you need more water. Um, and so we, we believe that our educational efforts have been paying off. Certainly at all the events that I do, I do a talk before the event where I warn athletes about drinking too much. And we've really been pushing at this. So I'm really excited that, that this has sort of uh, fallen um, down to zero at this event. Um, and we're actually going to publish a paper about our findings. Well, what do you say to someone who asks about having a beer after an endurance event like that? Is it a good idea, bad idea? So so personally, I think it's if it's something that you've done before and it's enjoyable, I think it's probably a good idea. Um, but I don't have any medical research that to proves that, that just yet. <laughs> and there's no um, scientific, I mean, is it doing anything more for you or less for you than a big glass of water would do or... Yeah, so so there's there's another component of it which we didn't really touch on, but but uh, when water when you have an excess of water in your body and, and you you have a beer and you find yourself having to urinate, um, that flushes the kidneys a little bit, and so I also think that there's probably some additional benefit to that um, after after running an event or or any kind of endurance event. Again, I have no data to back that up yet. Uh, that's something that we're considering future studies to look at. Um, but but possibly an additional benefit. So if it's something that you enjoy to do, I have no reason to tell you not to do it. Um, okay. But I don't have any scientific evidence that says that athletes should start doing it if they're not already. All right. Well, I liked the advice you said about drink if you're thirsty, that your body knows what it's doing. Um, do you have any other advice for people before, during, or after an event um, in terms of, I don't know, energy or protein or uh, carb ingestion? Yeah, it's, that's an interesting question I get asked a lot. My focus has really been on the emergency side of things. Um, and so I, I really don't generate a lot of advice. I, I don't follow a lot of the literature on how to optimize performance. Okay. Uh, my focus has been on keeping athletes safe from some of the biggest threats that are out there um, and trying to make sure everybody can go out, have a good time when they want to um, enjoy the, the wilderness if they're in the Amazon uh, or enjoy the uh, the beaches in the sun if you're running an event in Florida. Um, but but as far as optimization, I think there's a lot of other specialists out there that can give good advice. Well, good to know. Well, thank you so much for coming in and sharing this. It's an interesting study, even yeah. though it didn't right. show you what you were looking for. But uh, anyway, thank you. My guest has been Dr. Jeremy Jocelyn. He's an emergency physician and medical director for a variety of endurance events around the world. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.